This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space, just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only excludes Alaska and Hawaii. All right, it's another film study. We're going to look back one more time in a little short at Saturday night, specifically about the fourth down uh, calls to go for it on fourth down. Kemi Cusick, how are you doing? Life's good, Josh. How about you? I'm doing good. I do want to remind people, well, not even remind people, tell people that though this is also normally an audio podcast, we have a video component that you can find over on filmstudybaltimore.com where this episode's in video format that will help you uh, go through and explain some formulas and stuff later in the episode. So if Definitely you're worth checking out. Yeah, if you're listening at your computer, go on over to filmstudybaltimore.com and it'll be right under there under the podcast tabs. 
as well. And joining us in the in the other box on the video is Josh Hoffman. Josh, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. Thank you, Josh. I, I, can you introduce yourself a little bit? Are you a lifelong Raven fan? Pretty much. Um, I was 12 when the Ravens moved here. By about 2000, I was diehard, and I've been I've been on the ride ever since then. All right. Awesome. All right, Ken, why don't we get into this? All right. We had Joshua on the air once before. You came on talked a little bit about the exact nature of the uh, roughing the passer call. Correct, Joshua? That was you? Yes, it was. And, um, and, NFL rules are a fun fun little hobby, especially and you're, here. You're an attorney by trade? Yes, I am. Okay. Definitely a legalistic approach to that. We really appreciated that. I thought that was a lot of fun to go through it that way because – you know, most of our knowledge of what the what the roughing the passer call was all about our experience of seeing when it is called and not what the rule actually says. So it was very nice to have you go through that. Today we're going to do something a little different. Joshua and I have been having some back and forth on the fourth down attempts during the game. And most specifically, Joshua, tell us your point about what you didn't like the Ravens did. The one in the third quarter when they could have gotten the field goal to make it 14 to 9. I was at the game with you. Um, so I was part of the 12th man with you, uh, speaking as one of the <laughs> players then, technically, I guess, if you're in the 12th man. I was absolutely nauseous after that. I thought it was a terrible idea. I was telling everybody around me, this is, this is bad. If we don't get this, the game is going to be over. And even if we do get this, we're going to get a touchdown, maybe. And then we're going to have to go for two. And if we don't get that, best case scenario, we're going to need a field goal, and why don't we just take that now rather than risk giving back the momentum, which is something I know you don't believe in. Um, maybe we'll do another short on whether that exists after <laughs> the scientific literature, but I know the scientific literature doesn't say it has not established momentum exists, but it does. Something about it exists. Anyway, I was distraught, and I want to see your math wizardry try and convince me. All right. So, Basically, your notion, let's probe a little bit at this, was the Ravens getting three in that situation was going to pull them within one certain score as opposed to one possible score of even, in fact, yeah. of the league. And, you know, it could have even been a situation where they could have won the game with three field goals at that point down eight. You want to try and go ahead and win the game 15-14, not an unbelievable thing. Other arguments for, for, for the Ravens not to go for this other than the normal, because the normal would be they'd go for it on fourth and one in this situation. They've kind of done that all year. There is. You know, if the Ravens turn the ball over there and the defense gets, I mean, the, uh, def yeah, the defense takes over with the Titans having the ball in their own 19, you might look at this if you're looking at it from a purely numbers standpoint and say that's not so bad. Um, if we kick off, we're giving it to them at the 25, let's say. I think it's much, much worse, again, because of momentum. I think if you miss that fourth down and you put the defense back on right there, I think the whole Ravens sideline was probably nauseous. I think the Titans are probably thinking like, my God, we can't, we just can't fail here. Um, it seemed to me just too much of a risk. It felt like it felt like a desperate, desperate swing when we should have been trying to right foot ourselves instead of instead of going for everything right there and, and trying to extend the game a little bit more would have been smarter to me. You know, really interesting point here, at least I think this is really interesting. With the game tied at 10 after the 2000 season, the Titans went for a field goal on fourth and one at the 21-yard line. Awfully similar circumstances. Mm -hmm. It was blocked, run back for the game-winning touchdown, 
blocked by Washington, run back for the game, running touchdown by Mitchell. Don't know if you, you, you're a diehard fan back then, you know, so you, you, you probably remember the occurrence. A lot of people think of Ray Lewis as really sealing the game, and he had a touchdown later that took it from 17 to 24. But the touchdown that won the game, the, the play that really won the game, and the most important play in Ravens history, at least until the mile-high miracle, was the blocked field goal and return. So interesting similar circumstances in what honestly was a mirror image game uh, in a lot of ways. It really was uh, in many ways mirror image. Okay, well, this is Josh brings up an interesting point because people, you know, look at this problem from a lot of different ways. They'll look at it typically from from a field perspective. I think I think that's most fans. I can't really speak a, a lot. I think a lot of the fans of this show will tend to be more uh, science based, math based people, but not necessarily all of them. And and hey, we 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 want to try and communicate as well as we can to everybody who's here. And I, I just want to go through the math briefly of how I'd look at this as a math problem and how I think the analysts on the Ravens would look so as well, at least as providing one piece of input for Harbaugh to make this decision. So for that, put together a little PowerPoint here. And what I want to do is, Josh, are we okay? Can we see this now on the on the screen? I can see it. Yep, it's yeah. up there. Wonderful. Okay. So what we're trying to do is solve for a break-even probability of an event. So we're trying to solve for what break-even probability did the Ravens need to have the probability of conversion on that fourth and one in order to make that a worthwhile outcome, in order to make it a worthwhile gamble to go for the uh, uh, two-point conversion. Sorry, to go for the fourth down, I should say. So we have to equate two possibilities. The first thing is they could take the field goal right away, which they can't just take the field goal. They actually have to kick the field goal. And that's one thing they can have, quote unquote, on the one side. Now, there's more that goes into this, and it's a little deeper because the ball gets it's turned back over and either would get turned back over right around the 19 or kicked off maybe with an expectation of around the 25. So it's, it's, there's a small difference in terms of the expectation of points afterwards that I, I don't want to dive too deep into, but approximately in either case, there's a slightly better than zero point situation uh, in the Titans' favor after the kickoff. But I don't want to get into that exactly. I want to leave that out of this equation and just bring it down to the points on this Ravens drive. So on the left side of the equation, we have a field goal being kicked times the probability of a field goal goal field goal being kicked, which is three times, we assume, 0.95. Joshua, do you think that's fair for um, Tucker from that short distance? And the reason I put it at 0.95 was a case of wind and uh, and also the fact he's missed two extra points this season. I think that's, that's perfectly good. Okay. And I'm going to try and let you make the assumptions that go into this as we go, and so we can come up with a reasonable, hey, did this make sense? And remember, we're trying to solve for this next term, which is the P conversion, the probability of conversion. So now I need a few other numbers from you. I need to take the probability that if they convert, they score a touchdown. Okay, so I need that from you. And there are three outcomes, at least, that I can think of. And I only want you to separate them into three groups. The probability of a touchdown, the probability of a field goal, meaning they're stopped at some future point, presumably on fourth down and kick a field goal anyway and the probability of either downs or a turnover, meaning they lose the ball on downs or they lose the ball by turnover on their way to the goal line. I've got my estimations of those three that I think are fairly conservative. Give me yours, and I'll and then we'll have two sets, and we can see if we're on, on line here. 
A quick question, stupid question, I mm -hmm. think. Do these have to add up to 100%? They do, because I think they're the only three possible outcomes. Okay, just checking. I think that's about a 30% chance that, I'm sorry, I'm going out of order. Which one did you want first? Field goal. Field goal. Um, stopped for a field goal. Mm, I think that's about a 35% chance. Okay, I had it at 30, so we're not too far off right there. Okay. And second one was, I'm sorry? Uh, touchdown. Touchdown. Um, you get that. I will give that a 45% chance. Okay. I think it's a little too low. I had it at 55, but we'll take your word for it at, at 45. And then you're 20% on turnover on downs or turnover or downs. Exactly. Um, Seems high. It is only because I think if it's another fourth and short, we're going for it again. And it could easily have been a fourth and one, fourth and two, fourth and three even. Um, do we go for it on fourth and four? Uh, maybe. Um, so I, I pushed down that field goal percentage and, and up that one because I think we were going for that fourth down if we, we had it under five. Okay, I thought we might have to do this, but I think we're going to have to come up with two different valuations of this, one using Ken's assumptions and one using Josh's assumptions. I had it at 30% of a field goal, uh, coming basically not making any ground after making the first down, 55% for a touchdown, and 15% for uh, either be turning it over on downs or uh, by turnover, which I thought was fairly conservative, frankly, for that. I agree with your thinking that – there's probably a greater possibility of losing the ball on downs than on turnover um, in that subgroup. Oh, definitely, definitely. It's just, yeah, if, if we're going for field goals, uh, we'd be going for it now. So I just, it's certainly reasonable to say if we're inside the 19-yard line, there's an 80% chance that we're getting a field goal or a touchdown. That, that seems very reasonable. But we have to look at these little fourth and short situations. So we're basically asking ourselves – to answer what we're solving for now, the probability of converting on a short fourth and something to really answer that question. So like you said, I guess we need two different assumptions. Actually, I'm loving the fact that you're talking because I actually have a chance to, to put this in here now. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to do, this is the Joshua probability we're figuring out first here. And we, we're going to take the probability of conversion times the 45% of seven points. Now, Joshua, do you want to explain to the group while I do this why we said seven points as opposed to eight or six? Because there would have been a whole lot more math if we had to separate it. We know, of course, <laughs> we were not going for seven. There was never going to be a seven. It was going to be a six or an eight because we would have had 12 points if we got the touchdown. So we're not, there's no reason whatsoever to go for one. We're going to be going for two. Right. So um, we're trying to solve this from an expected points basis. And we're just showing the thing. If you, if you, if it's the probability of getting a tie out of the situation, we know a field goal can't do it. We know a touchdown can. So it has to be somehow related to expected points. And obviously, that last point, that eighth point, is worth an awful lot in this situation. You wouldn't leave yourself trailing by one, fourteen to thirteen at this point in the game. We can agree on that much. <laughs> okay, so I'm I'm going to calculate this first with the. Josh probabilities here. Just slide off screen for a second. So I've got 45% of seven points, and I've got 35% times 0.95 of times three, that's slightly under one point, and then I get nothing from that third term. We're just proving that we took into consideration that that 0.2 didn't, didn't generate anything. And what I get out of that is that it's it's 
4.15 points on the right times the probability of conversion. So now I'm down to, I have 2.85 is equal to the probability of conversion times uh, 4.14, and just so anybody following along on your calculator can do it, 4.1475. So now if I want to calculate the probability of conversion there, this is the break-even probability of conversion. I need to make it 2.85 out of 4.1475 times. And so I have to make it about 68.7% of the time. Now, I've kind of accused your assumptions of being too too negative, too despondent about the Ravens' chances on the time. But would the Ravens have been reasonable assuming they had a 68.7% chance to make the first down on that play? Would they have been reasonable in going for it if they had a 68.7% chance of getting it? Is that the question? Well, the, no, the, the question is, yeah, the, it, would the, it's really not that. The, pre, the break-even probability, given the other assumptions we had, was 68.7%. So I'm asking the question is, would the Ravens have been reasonable to assume they had a 68.7% chance to convert the fourth down in that situation? Okay, okay, I'm sorry. Um, in the game where your offensive line is getting kicked around like that, I, I could be generous and say yes, but, but I, I hesitate. I kind of want to say no, but I'll say yes. Okay, so I, I think so too. I think your, the assumptions are kind of conservative used for the other things. I'm glad we used them. Uh, my number would have come out to be a lower, a lower needed probability, probably in the high 50s. And I uh, just want to show this in terms, I think showing people break-even math like this is how you let them make a good decision. And by the way, anyone in the analytics area would have been sending this down to Harbaugh in this form. They'd say, Coach, 68.7% is our break-even in this situation. And would, he'd have to then... Coach have been checking those assumptions? No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think he'd have been. I think he'd have been trying to uh, rely on his his uh, his staff for that. He wouldn't. You know, they could have had that conversation during a commercial or something. But this is this takes a while to to go through. What I always thought is, would it be a good thing to have for the analytics department is worksheets that where you could fill this kind of thing out very quickly with a discussion with the coach. And there was a time when you weren't allowed to have a computer. In the in the uh, coaching area, I don't know if that's true or not. If they're all able to use some surface and they have some basic calculator ability, at least within them, in which case it's pretty pretty quick to calculate this kind of thing. Uh, but you know, you saw you saw us do it. it; just took us a minute or so, and and uh, you know, it can certainly be done quicker than that. But that's this is basically the decisions that are being made with analytics all the time: is is do I go for it or not? Well, here's here's the potential outcomes, and here's my probability of breaking even on this. I, I want to talk about the play a little bit more with you, Joshua. I'm going to turn off the screen for a second, but I want to talk to you uh, talk to you about the play a little bit more because I think there are other things about it that I didn't like. I didn't like the fact that Tennessee put in a goal line defense with four down linemen and two outside linebackers and basically had 10 in the box on the play. So what it meant is that they were expecting the sneak and he took the snap from under center. It's often been a thing of me that I've been upset with people taking a snap uh, from shotgun on fourth and one. But this was a situation where Lamar Jackson needed to open up that field and take that snap from the shotgun to at least threaten the pass in that situation with Tennessee so sold out to stop the run. You see, either Jackson's going to have to make a move to the outside to get the first down 
or he's going to have to maybe throw a slant pass to the one receiver on the outside who has had man coverage there, could have potentially gone to the house on that play. So, you know, I, I love the decision to go for it. I kind of hated the choice of play given the defense that the Titans showed the Ravens on the, on the play. I hated it too. Uh, and I hated that he was under center and he, and he's never mm-hmm. under center. And that's one of those things that I take a lot of account of. I don't know if, if you take as much of account of it, but now we're having him do something he's not used to. I think that factors in. And he sure looked like uh, after he got that snap that he didn't know what he was doing. I would have loved to see him, you know, even even a play action, which sounds crazy in no, that doesn't. situation. But, it, you know, a play action and then a boot to the side where he starts booking it towards one of the sidelines and he can maybe throw it. Um, anything really except for what they did. Um, it's easy to say that, of course, because the one thing they did is the one thing that didn't work. But, I mean, there had to be the possibility of the pass. Um, and there had to be a possibility of a run to the outside, whether it was Lamar or or somebody else, for the reasons you said. I think it was interesting on the first fourth and one, which was at their own 45, the Titans lined up in a base defense. That's a perfectly fine defense against which to try a quarterback sneak. It's kind of like a, a neutral uh, uh, situation for the quarterback sneak. The great situation for a quarterback sneak is they're in the they're in the standard nickel or they're in any any defense which only has two defensive linemen on the field then you can almost always sneak for a first down when they have the base in you have to be better at it but it's still not four down linemen four down linemen just puts immense pressure on the offensive line to to do it the first time around they actually pulled with bradley bozeman and they ran the play out of shotgun with with quarterback power and bozeman actually i think was responsible more than anyone for messing up that play he moved across the formation was kind of tentative about where he was going to block that obstructed Lamar from potential lanes, and he also didn't just put his shoulder into the back of somebody for a rugby scrum kind of push on the play to try and help Lamar get get uh, uh, get separation and get get spots. The second time around, I just thought they lined up against a formation that was designed exactly to sell out against that. The Ravens at that point, they didn't know if they needed their timeouts or not, but they kind of needed a timeout at that point to decide, yeah, we're not we're not running our, the play we had called against this formation. Even if it's cost us a, a much needed timeout later, we needed to we need to pick another play for that. So I, I, I love the idea of going for it. I just really don't like the play call against that formation. Well, we can definitely agree on that, too. It was um, mm. And if you're doing a, one of those power run concepts, the Ravens have exploited the, the hat on a hat concept so well all year. Mm-hmm. They've got a running back and they're doing nothing now. It's just horrible. Yeah, so you you could have Ricard in there as the as the as the sole back if you wanted to if you want to rerun that play again and just take take the running back out of the game and I, I forget if Lamar if there was a tailback in the play or not I don't remember if if anybody was in the backfield behind Lamar on the sneak. I, I Ricard, believe there was. Okay, yeah, that's kind of a waste. Yeah, that's kind of a waste because it's uh, it, it wasn't fooling anybody. It was, let's just put it that way. They had it set up to basically stop the quarterback sneak. Exactly. I know. I think they had Hollywood on the field too, um, at receiver. If I'm not mistaken, I don't don't hold me to that. Either mm-hmm. they did. It was either that one or the first fourth down. But I remember turning to my wife and saying, "Are they going to throw to Hollywood on this play? Does anybody believe they're going to throw to Hollywood on this play? I mean, what is it for?" It, it, it would have been a good call. <laughs> it would have, would have been a really good call because it would have been just about impossible to defend him on the slant. I think that had a pretty good chance to go to the house. If you look at the 
the 10 defensive players other than the cornerback who's on the receiver there, and I don't remember if it was Brown or not, but they're all creeping towards the line of scrimmage within just a few yards and are, are giving every evidence of, of you know, trying to stop it exactly as it is. It's a, it's a very hard set, place P, play, set, set piece play to win if you do exactly what the defense expects you to do. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and Hollywood was the guy who was really going above and beyond that night, um, probably more than anyone. Like, he made plays I didn't know that were possible that he's, night. He's a great, great young player. It's kind of beyond the scope of this, but just, just a, he looks like a 12-year-old playing with adults, and he's got these little, this little 12-year-old body, and he's got you know hands that look too small to hold a football. And even when the football's in his arms, I'm like, how the hell is he going to hold on to that football when, when, when some big guy tries to knock it out of it? Well, it just goes to the ground, and uh, he's a very exciting player. I thought something very similar of when he caught, when he caught the pass right before halftime. Um, also beyond the scope, but I just mm-hmm. have to give a shout out to the horrible clock management right there. I was very upset. I don't know if that was just me, but I actually glanced down right when the ball arrived to his area. I glanced away because I knew this was an incompletion. And then I heard the reaction and I, I was like, what? That was impossible where that ball was for him to, you know, based on his size. And it was his size. I'm looking mm-hmm. at where the ball is and I'm saying he can't haul that in. There's no way. And I glanced away and didn't see the catch. Oh, that's that's a shame. But then anyway, they, they got the clock stopped right away. But then they, they didn't. Your, your problem with the clock management was they didn't get two shots. They only got one into the end zone with 11 seconds. Yeah, they're kicking on second down. Something's wrong. And they had all the time in the world when that drive started. And they weren't they weren't slow about moving the ball either. Well, they, but at, OK, I, we'll, we'll leave it for another episode. But Joshua, we thank you for being on. Great, great information here on the fourth down play. I think having this kind of back and forth is good. Do you think that this at all resonates with with other fans who maybe aren't familiar with the math in terms of a break-even probability? I think this year, Ravens fans especially want to know more about these analytics um, because we're hearing about it so much and nobody knows. I never saw that equation before. I was was close to being able to follow it. Um, I do well with math when I'm in the room with other lawyers, but not another (laughs) Not otherwise. Um, you know, Mark Twain uh, popularized, but he didn't make up the quote about there are three types of lies, lies, damn lies and statistics. I think yeah. if analytics had been around then, he would have had to add that to the list. Maybe they would have just been called damn statistics. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, but, yeah, it's it's absolutely fascinating to look at it and to think about their thought processes there. It's very, very interesting stuff. I would encourage everybody, if they're not watching that equation and just listening um, to take a look at that, because if you're really into the Ravens and you want to know what they're doing, I think that's going to become more and more relevant um, in, in all of football, probably. All right. Appreciate it, Joshua. Thanks again for coming on. It's always a good time with you. Uh, if you have another topic, come back to us. We'd love to have you on again. I'll be pestering you with topics all offseason, Ken. Thank you so much for having me on, Josh. Thank you so much. Yeah, and this is a good time to remind other people as well, now that we're experimenting with some video and we'll be trying different things like this during the off-season, it's a great time to bring in your, uh, you can bring your shorts in, even with uh, example photos or anything you want to share visually, we can expand the short catalog to visual videos as well. So, Thanks, Josh. All right, Thanks, Josh. We'll talk soon. Thanks, guys.
Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch, no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.